0: Welcome to the 34th Circe, Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure, Take the adventure with us. With us. With us. With us. right and welcome to the 34 Cersei Salon we are here once again to talk some mythology my name is Sean Marlon Newcomb and our guest as is often the case when we are talking about these kinds of matters is Dr. Gary Stickle the real life Indiana
1: Jones hey Gary hi hi Sean good to talk with you again
0: good all right so what Let's just get right to what's the big idea with you today, Gary? What's the big idea? What are we talking about? This is the sacred symbolic number system, folks, If for you if you're playing along at home. Uh, we're talking about a concept called the sacred symbolic number system. So, Gary, what is that and what is the big idea about it?
1: Well, as I say, glad you asked. <laughs> so okay. um, I uh, I have loved Homer and been intrigued with his uh, great epics, The Iliad, The Greatest Story of War Ever Written, and The Odyssey, what I call The Greatest Action of Interest Story Ever Written ever since I was a little child. My parents bought me a beautiful children's version illustrated by the Scandinavian couple, The Provinces, 1950s publication. Beautifully illustrated. Um, and interestingly, in 2001, uh, Professor Manfred Korfman, who was the head of the uh, German excavation at Troy for, I don't know, maybe 20 years, something like that, since the 1980s, um, published an overview book on the research to Troy to date. And one of the articles, a guy actually has a color illustration of the cover of that children's book. I I thought that was really great. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously, he loved it, too, and so do I.
0: So the book had an an impact. Obviously, people, people it, it really
1: did. It. The illustrations are wonderful, even though they're done in a they're done in a style like classical Greek pottery, stylized but intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so ever since then, I've been reading Homer um, over and over and over again. And it finally dawned on me, um, and uh, years ago that he uses the same numbers over and over and over again. And and I began, I began to think, well, maybe this is intentional, that it's not um, just a haphazard usage of numbers because why use the same numbers over and over again as I'll explain. So the numbers
0: uh, were symbolic as you perceive them.
1: I, I think they are, and I, I'll try to make the case here. Um, now it's interesting that At one point, people thought, you know, noted the numbers, but didn't think they had any significance. For example, um, one early Homeric scholar was William Gladstone, and he lived from 1800 to 1898.
0: He lived a long time, actually, for that era. Probably the the expanse of the 19th century.
1: Yes. And uh, he later became Prime Minister of England. But he didn't think much of Homer's use of numbers. He thought they were simplistic and unsophisticated. So he wrote a book on Homer entitled Juventus Mundi, The Gods and the Men of the Heroic Age. Mm-hmm. And in it, he had a section called The Use of Number in Homer. And in it, he, he makes the following statement, quote, It seems that in the childhood childhood of the we, of the world, Men, even of the capacity of Homer, had no definite idea of numbers beyond a very narrow range, unquote. But I came to a different conclusion. I thought there might be some systematic uh, reason for why he kept using the numbers. So and, hold uh, on, though. Hold
0: on, Gary, because I want to ask you about that specifically, his take versus your take. Before we do that, let's just first address what the big idea is behind this. What's the big idea? Why should anyone care? About these sacred symbolic numbers, why do they matter?
1: Well, it's a it's a mystery. It's kind of like the Da Vinci Code, uh, oh. a real life Da Vinci Code. Um, because if these, if I'm right, and these numbers uh, were utilized because they had sacred symbolic uh, significance, it changes our whole perspective on uh, the aspect of uh, of these epics, as I'll explain
0: so these numbers could be like an esoteric teaching they could have they could contain hidden code or secrets yes okay great okay so let me let's come back to this gladstone um he just sort of dismissed them what did why did he dismiss them what was it
1: about? well you know it was it was an early time of research basically and he just didn't think they had any significance
0: you just um, thought they kept appearing randomly in these yes, same patterns? Yes.
1: Okay. And actually, he's not alone because I wrote a research paper on this because I was amazed, you know, because I searched it on the internet and everything, and no one ever noted this. No one ever, uh, although they keep mentioning the numbers and various books on Homer and, you know, various translations of Homer and so on. <clears throat> and uh, But nobody ever noted that there was a, a consistent pattern. And so I guess I'm the first one. I mean, if there was a previous one, I'm not aware of it. Uh, so I interesting, I, I contacted a, a colleague of mine who's actually, he was one of my professors a long time ago at UCLA when I was a graduate student there, <clears throat> Professor Colin Renfrew. And eventually he became uh, the, the head archeologist at Cambridge University in England. And actually, to me, he probably became the most famous archaeologist in Europe during his time. Um, so when I came up with this thesis in my initial uh, version of the paper, which I copyrighted in 2013, I, I sent him a copy and I asked him his opinion, and he didn't agree with me. He just thought the, the numbers were random. But uh, most people, when they read my paper, they come away impressed that there is a systematic usage of them and it's got to mean something
0: well it's interesting he would say that didn't the Pythagoreans have in as part of their their belief system that numbers held meaning that numbers had hidden values right correct yeah
1: yes so why, why
0: would, yeah why would he think it's strange then that there might be a, a meaning or
1: I I don't know you'd have to name. ask him but I, I was frankly I was okay. disappointed but <laughs>
0: No, but let, let, let's get him on here. Let's bring him on. I'd love well, if, you, to if
1: we can, here. that'd be great. You know, um, okay. but you know, it's essentially you mentioned Pythagoras because I actually have two quotes, uh, you know, uh, at the beginning of my paper. Uh, one is from Pythagoras. It says a quote, number is the measure of all things. That's mm-hmm. Pythagoras, 6th century BC. And the other one is uh, Heraclitus. And, uh, and he said, quote, the hidden harmony is better than the obvious one. So um, what, what I'm thinking is the fact that these numbers had sacred symbolic significance is within the ethos of ancient Greeks. And, uh, and the fact that they actually believed that numbers had intrinsic powers. And we still kind of do today because we still talk about Friday the 13th. We talk about the 13th floor. Mm-hmm. We talk about the third the third time is a charm, you know. Uh, so we, we still have a little bit of, of that uh, belief in, in the power of numbers in that, you know, way. Um, so what I came to realize is there is particularly five numbers that were utilized by Homer. And they are most prominently number 12, number 10, mm-hmm. number 9 number seven, and number three. Okay. And so, uh, and I'll just briefly go over, you know, uh, why, you know. So, for example, in uh, the number 12 is especially important to Homer as he used it many times in, in both the epics. You now, for example, in the Iliad, book one, and these books are, are chapters um in, in Greek, they're called rhapsodes. Right. Uh, and, and by the way, they weren't uh, Homer didn't originally divide up his epics into books. That was later done at the Library of Alexandria. Right. And um, I believe that they divide them up into these rhapsodes. They call them or like chapters to facilitate their study, the study of Homer's epics. And then they enumerated every line. So that's why you see references to, you know, the Iliad, book one, and then lines 493 and 495, which I'm about to quote to you. And so in the first book of the uh, chapter of the Iliad, this is a quote from Homer. But now is the 12th dawn after this shone clear. The gods who live forever marched home to Olympus, all in a long cortege. And Zeus led them on. The number number twelve is emphasized there. Mm-hmm. And then later in the in the Iliad, there is a sequence where Hector and the Trojans are attacking the Greek ships. And Homer has the great Greek hero Ajax, actually it was called Ios. and he has him impaling twelve Trojans with a spear as he fends off the uh, Trojan attack from the uh, from his ship. And then later in the Iliad, I mean, you know, the number 12 appears throughout the Iliad, but I'm just giving you some prime examples. Keep going, please. In in the Iliad, Achilles, towards the end of the the Iliad, he mourns the death of his dear friend, his warrior, dear friend Patroclus. Get this, by, quote, executing 12 brave sons of the proud Trojans. And in the final chapter of the Iliad, you know, the, the 24th chapter, it says, quote, at the 12th dawn since Hector's death, Lord Apollo rose, you know, the god Apollo, mm-hmm. and addressed the immortal powers, unquote. Um, and then in, in that same final book of the Iliad, there's a very uh, emotionally moving scene where King Priam of Troy goes to a, achilles tent and he begs for the return of the body of his son hector that achilles had killed in their famous duel and and achilles killed him in revenge for the fact that hector had slain his dear friend patroclus and uh it's interesting that throughout the iliad achilles is depicted as as a egomaniac and uh, not very much to uh, admire him about but then uh showing the sophistication of the Eliot, Homer throws you a curve because at the very end here, when, uh, King prime goes to the tent of Achilles uh, uh, and he begs for the body of his son, Achilles, uh, agrees and he Hmm. agrees to hold off the Greek attacks on Troy so that, uh, King prime and the Trojans would have enough time for a proper burial and have the associated rights for Hector Hmm. prior to resuming the war. So in other words, uh, to pay respects for the dead was very important to the ancient Greeks. The so prime responds that 11 days would be needed to mourn and build the burial mound for Hector. And then quote, on the 12th day, we will fight again if we must do,
0: unquote. So what does the number 12 mean? What's its value, what's
1: its The correlation I make, I think it represents the 12 Olympian gods. Okay, And uh, so basically my thesis is the use of these uh, sacred symbolic numbers, um, the way Homer utilized them uh, was such that the ancient Greeks who read it or listened to it, uh, they were very much aware of what the numbers meant. And so when they're reading the Iliad, and they're seeing the the continual usage of the number 12 and the other numbers, uh, to me, it elevated these epics from being just terrific stories to being uh, sort of like a Bible. They're sort of religious. And so I think
0: Tell me then what the 12—so the 12 of the Olympians, how does that number—how is it significant in how it's used? You know, you have the 12 men impaled in the swords and the 12 ships. Why 12 for those particular instances?
1: Well, in other words, every time Homer cites 12, he's honoring the 12 Olympian gods. Right. And, yeah, but uh, is, there,
0: is there something in, would, would he only associate the honor of the Olympian gods with a certain kind of activity? Or is it just are you, something? Well, it's saying, it's reverence. I mean, you know, when you're honoring
1: the gods, it's reverence. Um <laughs> And, uh, and uh, you know, it's it's replete, as, as I'll get to throughout this, uh, you know, this presentation. Um, sure. But, but again, know, I'm just
0: wondering why, why you know, as a writer, from a writer's standpoint, why does he choose 12 here as opposed to 12 somewhere else, as opposed to 3 or 7 somewhere else? Like, when is it that he picks 12? Well,
1: he, is, he mentions, is there 12, some pattern he mentions 12 as I'll explain throughout both epics. Uh, you know, why he cho- chooses 12 for a particular instance. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, this is just the beginning of a hypothesis about this and mm-hmm. okay. a lot more research and uh, examination. I mean, I, what I'm trying to do is provoke other scholars to really examine this and see what they think and see if they can come up with more understanding of the whole, the whole situation.
0: Got it. Okay. So, so
1: j- just, just for example, in, um, in the second book of of the Iliad, uh, you have the famous catalog of ships. It's called, mm-hmm. and this this is where Homer relates how many ships each king uh, who joined the expedition to Troy that was led by Agamemnon, the high king of Greece. Uh, you know, he was the king of Mycenae. Um, uh, you know how many ships each each king had. Now, Agamemnon, uh, and I think these are kind of symbolic because Agamemnon is the most powerful king, and so he has a hundred ships. But Odysseus, interestingly, is a minor king, you know, just ruling his little island of Ithaca and a little bit more on another island. Basically, very small and, and poor kingdom. He has, get this, 12 ships. That, that's the minimum number of ships mentioned in the catalog of ships of all the kings that sailed to Troy.
0: Well, that that is interesting. Could it be because Odysseus is the going to be the centerpiece of the Odyssey, of course, and he's blessed by the gods and also attacked by some of them, but blessed by Athena and the rest? Could it be that twelve the twelve associated with him is showing his divine importance?
1: I I think so. And. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, the number 12 is associated with Odysseus and the Iliad, and it's repeated in the Odyssey because in the Odyssey, uh, Homer has Odysseus sailing home on 12 ships. And then uh, in his different adventures, he has um, in the second place that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the third place that, uh, uh, Odysseus sails to on his way home, uh, which is a cave of the Cyclops, you know, the great one-eyed monster, giant monster. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, uh, uh, you know, Odysseus uh, takes, you know, 12 men with him into the cave. And then the Cyclops uh, proceeds to eat six of them. And, uh, and that points out the fact that apparently the sacred symbolic numbers system. They they would they would uh, take half of numbers, or they would multiply numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it was part of the system, as I think I think they had it. Um, do you have a
0: theory as to what they are doing when they have or multiply or do these um,
1: particular kinds? No, I kinds I, of I don't know. It had something to do mm-hmm. with you know maybe showing the. Uh, the power of the system somehow. And, you know, like I said, this is all new. So I have a lot to learn about it, you know?
0: It is, it's a fascinating, fascinating You know, but it's
1: just replete in in the epics, you know, for example, um, when, uh, in in the instance of the Cyclops, he has to get the Cyclops, uh, he has to find, the Cyclops closes the cave and has this giant rock that he rolls over the cave door so Odysseus and his 12 men can't get outside. They can't escape. And uh, so Odysseus has to find a way to get out of the cave without, uh, you know, his, his men are talking about, well, let's kill the Cyclops when he falls asleep. Well, if they kill him, then they'll be locked in the cave forever and they'll they'll, they'll starve to death. Uh, so Odysseus, the clever crafty Odysseus, uh, Homer's epithet for him, comes up with a way of escaping, and so what he does is he takes this giant uh, uh, pole that the Cyclops supposedly he's going to use as a club, and he sharpens it to a point and hardens it with fire. Uh, he gets the Cyclops drunk, get this, quote, using storage jars, 12 in all, with wine, unquote. Mm-hmm. So he gets the cyclops drunk and the cyclops falls asleep. And then Odysseus and his men stabbed a giant pointed pole into his eye and blinds him. So the cyclops is blind, so he can't see them. Uh, but the idea is that at some point he's going to have to open the cave door so he can go out and get food for himself. And, and at that time, Odysseus' and his men can escape. Uh, eventually that, that happens. And get this. Um. You know, he escapes on, on, uh, on, on sheep. But there's, there's uh, other instances too. Like, for example, at another one of the, the stops, the main stops of Odysseus or main places he goes to, he actually doesn't stop there for good reason. But it's the origin of the concept of dire straits. And that is Odysseus has to sail between two monsters. Uh, Interestingly, Homer has them as female monsters. (laughs) Maybe he's a bit of a chauvinist. But Mm -hmm. these monsters are a giant whirlpool, Charybdis, or this uh, other monster, Scylla, that lives in a cave on a cliff. And so Odysseus, if he sails into the whirlpool, his ship will be sucked down and he and all his men will be killed. But if he sails away from the uh, Whirlpool, he has to sail close to this cliff and, uh, and Scylla with her six long snaky necks with these uh, terrible heads on him will snatch six of his men and kill them and eat them. So that's that's what he does. And uh, so interestingly, uh, Homer says that Scylla, quote, quote, has 12 feet. All of them wave in the air, unquote. Mm hmm. So um, she also has six necks, which shows a division of 12. And then uh, within each head are three rows of teeth, kind of like a shark has multiple rows of teeth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it has three rows of teeth. So here you have three, six, 12, you know?
0: Yeah, so we have exactly divisors of 12 in there. So 12 is used, obviously, we're, we're thinking... The 12 you have as the divine symbol of the gods, six and three variants thereof. What are examples of a different number? You said seven is also a sacred symbolic. Well, I just want to finish up. How is that used? I
1: I wanted to finish up with 12 um, because, uh, like I said, it's really replete in the Odyssey. Sure. Um, So when Odysseus is is, uh, at Troy, uh and and uh, then on his voyage home after the, you know he comes up with the idea of the trojan horse to defeat the trojans by stealth um he uh, he's away from home a long time and 3 years and I'll get back to that number 3 that's one of the sacred numbers but 3 years prior to his arrival home uh his palace is taken over by these 108 suitors mm-hmm. And uh, and so Homer states uh, where these suitors are from. And he says, quote, from Ithaca itself, there are 12 suitors. Again, that number 12. And then right. And then Homer mentions that in the uh, Odysseus palace has a milling room. And he says, quote, 12 women and all have been bending to grind wheat and barley flour, men's marrow, unquote. And then uh, the number 12 is is used in a climatic sequence uh, um, when uh, Odysseus is fighting to take back his palace because Homer mentions that there's a traitor's goat herd named Melanthios. And uh, he escapes from the throne room, makes his way to the armory and quote, from there he took out a dozen heavy shields as many spears and as many brazen helmets, numbers 12, 12, 12, Mm -hmm. and rush back to give them to the desperate suitors to defend themselves. So, um, you know, I think it's ridiculous that he could cover, carry uh, at once 12 shields and spears and helmets, but that's what Homer says, you know? Sure. And then there's a uh, sequence at the very end of the Odyssey, which is very interesting, because Homer mentions there's 50 servant women in the palace. But then he says, quote, 12 in all have taken to immorality and have showered abuse on Penelope and have, quote, slept with the suitors, unquote. So when Odysseus and his son and two loyal servants uh, finally kill all the suitors in the throne room, they find out that these 12 girls have uh, betrayed Odysseus and, uh, and Penelope and so on. And uh, in Bronze Age uh, sensibility, what they did was traitorous and totally immoral, and they brought shame on the house of Odysseus. So because of that, he takes the 12 girls, and uh, his son Telemachus takes them to this round building in the outer courtyard of the palace called solos, and he has them executed by hanging. Which to us sounds brutal and uh, you know over the top and everything, and but um, in the sensibility and the ethos of Bronze Age Greece, what they did was so terrible to bring shame on the House of Odysseus by whoring with the suitors that their execution was justified. I'm not saying it's right. justified, but I'm just saying that that's that
0: in their in their culture, right?
1: And and then one more instance. Um, is uh, when, you know, prior to Odysseus um, attacking the suitors, he was still disguised as a a beggar man by the goddess Athena, who was his uh, protecting goddess. And there's a sequence where Penelope tries to hold off the suitors until Odysseus can get home because the suitors are trying to force her and induce her to marry one of them so they can have a kingdom and a beautiful woman as a queen and wife, but but she loves Odysseus and refuses to give up on him, which I think is wonderful in the story. And so here's how Homer describes how she is going to hold off the suitors. He says, quote, I mean to announce a contest with those axes. The ones Odysseus would often line up here inside the megaron, you know, the throne room. He would line up 12 in a straight unbroken row like blocks to shore a ship's keel. Now I will bring them on as a trial for my suitors. The suitor that can string the great bow of Odysseus with the greatest ease and can shoot an arrow clean through all 12 axes, he is the man I will marry, Mm -hmm. So you see a very dramatic usage of the number 12 there. And so it's just replete uh, throughout both epics. Why don't we stop
0: there? What I think we'll do is see, let's... See, next, time, uh, next
1: time we can do the other we'll numbers see. and then I can talk about the correlations and so on.
0: We'll play it by ear and see what happens. But why don't we, for the listener, we're going to stop there with the number 12. We're going to pick it up with the other sacred symbolic numbers on our next episode of this. So Gary, as always, a very fascinating and insightful discussion. Thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, well, thank you. It's been great. I- I appreciate presenting the hypothesis and your audience can see whether they think I'm crazy or not.
0: Well, I don't think they will. I think they're going to start becoming Pythagoreans. So
1: <laughs> That would be great. We'll,
0: we'll see what happens. All right. Thank you, everyone. This has been the 34 Circe Salon. I am Sean Marlin newcomb Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.